You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's a guest speaker. We have Jordi Hayes, co-founder and CEO at party around and in this episode we'll talk about the importance of social capital what it means to raise social capital how it works pros and cons and specifically the friends and family rounds which are so hard to raise for a lot of founders for a variety of reasons so jordi let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on party round awesome thanks for having me i'm super excited to be here um yeah so a little bit uh on Party Round to start. Party Round is a fundraising tool. So it's sort of a new product. Um, a lot of people look at our website and some of our content and they assume that we're a crowdfunding tool. And what Party Round actually is, is a fundraising automation tool. So um, our product works for founders that are raising on safes, which is obviously sort of the default financing instrument for early stage companies. And our product, um, or, or at least how we originally pitched it to investors, was this idea of, of like a cash app or a Venmo for safes, right? This idea that if a founder is raising on a safe, um, they should be able to come to a single place, create a round, invite investors to that round, and then have everything else be automated. And right now, uh, or at least prior to party round, um, the only way to do a safe financing round was to do it sort of manually, right? So you're sending around documents, you're having your lawyer send around documents, and then you're collecting funds with wire transfers. And for people like you and me, uh, that kind of thing uh, is just like way more friction than we're used to, right? And so party round is a way to basically, um, one, as a founder, it like eliminates a ton of time and, and manual effort that typically goes into f- fundraising. Um, it's hard enough to raise money, right? Uh, it's really difficult to convince people to give you money to build your company. Um, but we want to make it super easy for people to actually close investors once they've already convinced them, right? And then for the investor experience on Party Round, we create almost like a Robin Hood-like experience, right? Where um, investors can come on, uh, get invited by a founder, view an opportunity and invest in about a minute or less. So they're able to log in, um, see the opportunity, connect their bank account, and they can invest without ever leaving our app. Um, so that makes the entire process just a lot more seamless for both sides. Great. So before we go into the discussion of social capital, let me ask you a few follow-up questions on party round. First of all, sounds amazing. Sounds like an absolutely great tool because that part of the fundraising where you kind of already have investors secured and now you have to deal with the papers and bank transfers and you have to Google it because you have absolutely no idea how it works. That is a pain in the ass. That is absolutely unnecessary. So a lovely tool you've created there. Um, first question on that, how do you charge your customers? Is it a fixed fee? Is it a percentage of a raise? Or how do you do that? Yeah, so right now, Party Round is totally free. There's oh. products that will release in the future that will end up monetizing. Um, but we wanted to create something that was just a total no-brainer for early stage founders to use, right? Um, usually when you're raising that first round of capital, oftentimes you have no money in the bank. Maybe you have some mm-hmm. personal funds that you've been investing. Um, most founders you know, can't actually even afford a lawyer or at least a good lawyer in the early days. And so we wanted to make the easiest way to basically like put people in business. Um, the way that we see it, right? I think there's short of this idea in um, startups, like people talk about bootstrapping and promoting bootstrapping, right? And 
you know, not everybody like bootstrapping in my view is somewhat of a luxury, right? Where uh, the only way to bootstrap uh, if you want to be full-time on your company is to have enough personal capital that you can avoid taking a salary and have enough money to invest in your business, right? And so that's actually like pretty, um, that's not a, a, a super common situation for a lot of founders. And so oftentimes for people that want to go full-time um, building their company, you need to raise a certain amount of money. Um, and that's usually going to come from your immediate network, right? And so with Party Round, we wanted to create the easiest way to raise from people that you already knew and people that wanted to support you. And it was just about giving them a really easy way to um, invest in, in you, basically. And so that's like, I, I think, this concept of um, converting social capital into financial capital that you're alluding to, which is that, um, you know, most of the time, fundraising is always difficult, right? You talk with founders all day long um, about the process and everything like that. And um, fundraising is difficult sort of across the board, but it's specifically difficult if you're going out and trying to convince strangers to give you money, right? So people that you've never met before. Um, and oftentimes founders have to do that to raise, raise sort of large uh, financing rounds. I think where founders, at least in the early stages, do well is when they go out to their uh, immediate network. So it's called the sort of friends and family round, but I think oftentimes that really ends up being what we call sort of a community round, right? So it's somebody that maybe you worked for in the past. Um, it's another founder that's building in a similar space. Um, it could be a family member, it could be a friend, things like that. Um, and so I think oftentimes the place that you're going to have the most success fundraising when it's just, when you just have an idea, right? Is the people that already believe in you and that want to support you. And they're not just investing, investing for financial motives, right? Um, there's plenty of invest professional investors out there that are just really investing, you know, maybe they, they like to support founders, but they're ultimately their job is to put money into startups and get a lot more money out, right? But when it comes to your community and things like that, there's quite a few people that are will invest in you purely because they want to support you and see you build your vision, right? And so Party Round is that tool um, that doesn't help you discover investors, but it helps you um, convert the people that uh, are already sort of around you. Right. That perfect response. And I absolutely love the fact that it's free and that is going to be my go-to tool for recommendations to early stage founders, because I mean, it's free, why not, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing strategy there. I absolutely love it. Um, on this note, let's talk about those uh, those people that you mentioned, which are around the founders, which is quite frequently friends and family, quite literally friends and family. Um, I've seen a lot of founders who decline to uh, raise friends and family rounds for the reason of, you know, it's a startup. It's the very first raise of the startup. I have absolutely no idea how risky it is. It might fail in the next six months. And I just don't want to ruin those relationships by losing their money. And I do believe that it's very valid. So a lot of people choose not to. Um, from your perspective, do you think it's valid reason to not even go out and raise or even attempt to raise from friends and family? Or do you think there are more pros and cons to this? Yeah, I think um, the decision to raise money or not to raise money is one of the most important decisions that a founder makes in the first like one to two years of building a company, right? Uh, you should never raise money unless you're willing to commit to that idea for a significant period of time, right? Um, you're basically creating this like social contract between you and, and your investors that says, I'm going to build this um, until... Uh, I'm going to put everything uh, towards this idea. Um, 
over the, you know, over the following, uh, X period, right. Uh, until we run out of money or we're successful or we, or we, um, you know, or we get to another stage, whatever that looks like. Right. And so I think a lot of founders, um, you know, sometimes founders know from the very beginning that, um, that they want to spend the next like 10 years of their life building something. Um, and I think in that case, uh, you shouldn't be afraid to raise money from people in your immediate network um, because ultimately you should go into that being very clear that um, this is risky. It's not a liquid investment. You could lose everything. Um, but if you explain those things up front and people are fully aware of that, right. Um, and they're making the choice on their end to want to support you. Then I think you're doing yourself a huge service to have people in your corner that are, that have known you and that are not just investing you in you for a financial return, but they're investing in you on a personal level because they want to see you succeed. And so I think the bigger question to answer before that is just like when to raise money and when not to raise money. And I think founders, um, you know, oftentimes because they're so passionate about their, the idea that they're building, um, it's really hard to actually um, know, especially if you're a first time founder or you're just getting into the space, what is a, what is a business that institutional investors, so professional investors, VCs are going to find investable, investable mm -hmm. versus what is something that your network is going to invest in. So example being, there's plenty of companies, um, and I've gone through this in the past, where uh, there's people in your immediate life that will invest in it. But if you go try to raise from a Sequoia or an Andreessen or um, you know a larger venture fund, that you may be totally unsuccessful in raising from them. And that's just because the different groups are looking at totally different factors, right? When you're raising from your immediate network, they're saying, hey, Constantine, uh, I really like him. I think he's smart, hardworking. I, I like the idea. I'll, I'll invest $5,000 into his company because I want to, you know, I believe that he's going to have a positive impact on the world and build something meaningful. And even if he's not successful, he's going to do, he's going to work as hard as he possibly can to do that, right? Um, and so that's great at the sort of friends and family level or the community round level. As you start getting towards like pre-seed or seed financings, uh, oftentimes you're being evaluated on totally different criteria, right? Mm -hmm. So the investors are looking and saying, is there a reasonable path for this business to get to, um, let's say a hundred million dollar run rate is oftentimes a criteria that people look for, right? And if there's no path to that extreme sort of level of growth and scale that a venture business requires, no matter how much they like you or they like the business, they're not going to invest, right? And that can be a super, super, super painful process, right? Um, because you might be able to build a business that does $50 million a year in revenue. And that's not really that interesting for, you know, 99% of VCs, but for an uh, individual founder, that can be life-changing. So it can be a little bit confusing going out and trying to raise money. Um, and I think one mistake that founders make is they'll sort of look at the market and maybe they'll look at TechCrunch and they'll say, hey, this company is really similar. And they raised, you know, $25 million to do, to do this product that's not very different than ours. Mm -hmm. It's actually like a really poor way to validate um, sort of an investor interest or demand, because oftentimes investors will invest a bunch of money in a company and then realize that Hey, this this actually um, is not nearly as good of a business as um, as we thought, right? And so, yeah. picking picking the right idea, if you wanna if you wanna raise venture capital, like picking the right company and idea is everything, right? Because you could be the best founder in the entire world, 
But if you're not, um, I guess the way that I visualize it is like, you could be the best, uh, like, uh, like race car dr driver in the world, right? Like you could be like at like F1 sort of level, you know, you could be as good as Lewis Hamilton, right? But if you're racing in a Prius, right? You can only be so good, right? You're never going to be competitive at the highest level. You're never going to be able to go as fast as everyone else um, and, and win races uh, at the highest level, right? Um, and that's like, that kind of plays out very similarly in startups. And I, I can say that for um, Party Round as an example. My last company, um, you know, we did raise a small angel round. Um, but then when it came to raise like institutional capital, um, as much as people liked the business and they liked the growth and they liked what we were doing as founders, it just wasn't, it wasn't ever going to be able to hit the scale that's required to raise venture capital. And so we weren't successful in raising like an institutional financing round um, and the company ended up getting acquired. It wasn't a great outcome, um, but that was like a super painful lesson for me because I wanted to go down this path of building, you know, a large, um, you know, you know, venture scale business, yeah. but that original business was never going to allow for that. And so I think it's important for founders to know that um, your abilities as a founder and your potential is completely tied to um, the underlying company and the product that you're building. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about something you mentioned in the very beginning of your answer, which is, uh, you know, once again, friends and family converting or moving to the, uh, actual official round or round from institutional investors. So a lot of our listeners or from at least those who I know personally, are already over the friends and family round. So is it still reasonable for them to go to party round to raise their next round of institutional investments? Or do you think they should go to lawyers who will help them draft like actual custom documents? Yeah, great question. So party round right now just works for safe financings. Um, mm -hmm. Founders can sign up, um, they can create a round generate, we generate safes for them. And then all they have to do from that point on is invite investors and we automate everything else on the back end, right? So automate everything from signatures, um, funds collection, et cetera. So um, that being said though, right now, because we only work for safe financings, if a founder is raising a price round, right now the product doesn't work for that. Um, we would love to be able to support that in the future and it's definitely on the roadmap, but right now um, really just works for founders that are raising uh, what I would call those like first one to three rounds, right? Mm -hmm. So typically like a friends and family, a pre-seed and a seed round. Um, and then after that, I would say that 90% of rounds are happening um, that are, are priced, right? So that means right. uh, usually bespoke documents and stuff like that. Absolutely, 100% correct. Uh, that is great to know. After this episode, I will be sure to dig deeper into party round to see who else in my network can get some useful stuff from that um love. yeah it's been um, it's been fun because you know the product is free and i think it's solving mm -hmm. you know, really a cute pain point um i i don't know how many demos i've given this week but every single one of them uh <laughs> immediately signed up to use it so it's been amazing to see uh you know the response from from founders so far and we were actually i think the reason that we have um you know, really early signs of product market fit is that we built the product basically as like an internal tool to start. So we raised our pre-seed using it. Um, and I think that allowed us to, 
you know, when you're building a product for yourself, it's much easier to then building a product for customers that you're right. still, like learning about. Right. And so we were able to sort of build the product with all this experience that um, I had from fundraising and investing my co-founder, Sarah, um, who's been an investor for the last five years and then our entire team. Right. And so when we're in meetings with Brandon and Brian who run product and engineering, um, it's basically like we have uh, engineering product design and the customer in the room all like 24 seven. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the companies talk about like, you know, talk to your customers. It's like, first we worked on building the product that we would have wanted. And then now we're basically letting other people use this, this internal tool. It's been really cool to see. That's awesome. And we're going to touch on to your fundraising in just a tiny, tiny bit, but first we have to touch onto your quite unique market strategy or go-to market strategy. One of which is NFTs. I'm honestly not we're not going to go too deep into your issues of NFTs, but could you just briefly touch onto that and explain to our audience how exactly that works? Because I already know it because of the pre-interview call, but I think it's still a great thing to tell to our listeners here. Totally. Um, so as part of like the product experience uh, on Party Round, when investors go through and invest in a company, we'll, we generate a, a, a unique NFT for each investment, uh, which is... Um, really, I think a quite ex cool experience, I think for both the companies as well as their investors, because right now, uh, if you were to angel invest in a startup off of party round, um, you'll sign the docs and everything like that. You'll send the money. And then all you have as a record of that is the actual like safe financing docs, right? Which is not something that you're going to like share in a group chat or show someone mm -hmm. or put on Twitter or things like that. Right. And so much of so much about angel investing is like the social experience of it, right? And I think a lot of people are doing it for, um, you know, to learn and support founders, and you know, for certain status elements as well. And so with Party Round, when you invest in a company, you actually get this like tangible, shareable digital asset uh, that represents that investment um, that you can take with you across the whole internet. So it'll stay in your, you know, MetaMask or Rainbow or whatever wallet you use. Um, and so whatever, you know, other applications you're on, you're, you're, you can sort of bring your, your track record with you, which we're, we're pretty excited about. And then I think you touched on this briefly, but we um, have used drops pretty effectively as part of our go-to-market. And um, for one of our drops that I think a lot of people found out about Party Round Through, we um, basically created this uh, NFT collection that uh, was sort of a parody of CryptoPunk. So we made um, unique uh, assets that look like CryptoPunks of, of basically a lot of the largest uh, investors in the space. And then we dropped them all at once and said, uh, basically told investors they had five hours to tweet out their, their NFT to claim it, or we would put it to auction. And I think we probably got like 200-ish investors to retweet. And then the remainder that didn't retweet, we ended up uh, auctioning them off. Um, and we raised, uh, I don't know how much we, exactly we raised. I think we raised like 15 grand. Nice. And then we ended up, giving that, ended up giving that as a grant to um, a founder who's wow. actually... Uh, a party round customer today. So she ended up, um, she ended up taking that money, basically investing it in herself and her company. And then, uh, yeah, she's actually raising on party round right now. So kind of all, uh, all came full circle. 
that is quite epic i didn't expect you to give it as a grant but the fact that you did makes me like party around even more um so it seems like you've put a lot of efforts into you know creating this brand awareness and creating this uh, you know uh, i cannot describe it with a word <laughs> but basically you've put a lot of work into creating the brand awareness for party round and it seems to be working but let's talk about the effects it has on your personal fundraising or the fundraising for the party round itself. Uh, what were the effects from the investor's standpoint to have investors reaching out to you like weekly asking if you're raising or is it not as effective as you would expect it to be? Totally. Yeah. So a lot of the drops that we've done have been massively beneficial for brand development, customer acquisition, user acquisition, all that stuff. Um, and that's great. But I think an added benefit um, that is maybe less obvious for some people is the benefit that it has on the recruiting side as well as the fundraising side. And so, um, you know, for us, uh, one, you know, at least 50% of our team found out about Party Round through the drops that we were doing. Um, and so by them being able to witness some of the projects that we've done, things like that, um, we've just been able to attract people that are like-minded and that enjoy a lot of the same things that we do and are passionate about the same problems. And so that's been really powerful. And then, um, you know, we raised our pre-seed prior to really any of the sort of like Twitter hype and stuff like that. And so, um, but, uh, you know, we did do the, the helpful VCs drop that I was describing basically right before we raised our seed round. Right. And so I think that was like powerful timing and that, um, we basically had investors from all the biggest funds, um, very, I would say, acutely aware of Party Round for a specific moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. And so that helped create, I think, a certain amount of like excitement prior to our um, prior to our seed round. And you know, we had actually um, been talking to Andreessen for quite a while um, prior to that round, um, but it, I think it, it definitely helped create some momentum for us and, and got a bunch of other great people involved as well. Great. So let's let's talk about Andreessen. Uh, so you've mentioned on our pre-interview call that you did indeed raise from A16Z and that it actually took you longer to finalize and close the round with them than you would expect. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how that process looked like with A16Z specifically? Yeah, I don't think it's um, specific to A16. I think uh, I think a lot of founders, like, you know, if you're an up and coming founder and maybe it's your first startup, I think a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that you're you're sort of learning by listening to podcasts, reading on Twitter, looking at TechCrunch, you know, maybe um, uh, following Substacks, things like that. And I think people don't have a full grasp of how intensive some of these processes can be. Um, and so there's sort of this idea, I guess, or at least, you know, let's say when I was 20 that I imagine where you would be fundraising and you just jump on a call with an investor and they'd say, Hey, this is amazing. Like, I'd love to invest. Um, you know, and then you get off the call send the docs and suddenly there's like a million dollars in your account and that can certainly happen. Right. There's very specific times when, you know, I've certainly had plenty of meetings with investors where on the call, they're like, Hey, great. I'd love to invest. Right. And it's amazing when, when that happens. Um, but more often than that, especially when you're working with larger institutional investors, founders have to be prepared for a pretty significant process, right? So there's a the process, um, you know, what I would say like pre and post term sheet, right? And before, you know, leading up to getting a term sheet, you're 
um, you know, having conversations with the investors and really like what you're using that time for is like to try to really get to know the other person, right? So as a founder, it's your job to understand like if, if this person invests in my company, am I going to want to talk with them on a daily or a weekly basis for the next five to 10 years, right? That's like pretty, pretty intense commitment, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times founders are, you know, I think fundraising is, is super difficult, uh, time consuming and painful process oftentimes, right? Like it's one of the it hardest is. parts about building a company. Um, and so there ends up being, I think, a certain level of people end up getting um, overly excited about a certain investor or, um, you know, they, they, they don't get to know them as well as they should and sort of look past some potential faults. And I think it's like the most critical thing to make sure that you're actually learning about who the investor is as a person, how they think about the world and not just how they think about your business. Right. And so in the context of Andreessen, you know, we we got to know um, Anish, Sumit, Anne, and Chris, who are the partners that we work with there, super deeply over, um, you know, a, a multi-week or, you know, I think it was probably like six weeks or six or seven weeks, right, before we even um, got to a term sheet, right? And so um, that process, uh, I think founders often expect, hey, I'm just going to meet somebody and then, um, you know, they're going to throw down a term sheet and, um, the money will hit my account next week. And that's really, even in the best, um, even in the best fundraisers, that's typically not how it works. It's really like a, people describe it as, as dating, but it really is right. You, um, it's a, it's a pretty big commitment from both sides to spend time getting to know each other, you know, in the world of zoom, oftentimes a lot of those calls can be virtual. Um, but I even think it is beneficial to, to meet people in person too. Um, and then that's really only like the first part of the process, right? Especially when you're doing, um, you know, our seed round was priced, right? And so it's not as easy as like downloading a safe from Y Combinator using party round. Yeah. And just invite, right? <laughs> it's like um, many, many, many pages of documents that go and uh, into, there, there's so many different um tweaks and factors that go into even a basic like seed financing uh, doc, right? And so I think that founders need to be prepared that getting to a term sheet is great, um, but know that there's quite a bit of work to do before that investment actually closes, right? And to be, um, to, to, to know that um, there's still like quite a bit of hard work and, and the work that you do after a term sheet matters, right? Because like I said, there's any number of changes and different terms that can go into financing docs. And it's important to stay invested throughout that process because the decisions you make then uh, ultimately have repercussions for, for years and years after. Yep, multiple, multiple, multiple years. Uh, so before we go into the last question of these episodes, one more question about what you've just said, which is the fact that you had a price seed round. Uh, not a very common thing to happen. So I'm curious, why would you, why did you decide to choose to go with the price seed round instead of raising through standard saves? Totally. Um, there's like a variety of factors that go into that. I think it's, um, it's actually more common than you think to do a price round at the seed. It totally depends on, you know, the state of the fundraise, the pace, um, how quickly you're wanting to get it done, things like that. For us, like it didn't really matter one way or the other. Um, you know, it is, it does end up being more um, expensive, 
but mm -hmm. in some ways, like it's actually great to do a price round, um, you know, be able to get, uh, you know, uh, proper like valuation on the shares, things like that. Um, and so there can be some, pro you know, there, there can be some positive, I would say externalities to that. I would say to founders, like it is something um, that you can push for or work against um, in your process, but ultimately whether or not you use a safe or do a price round at your seed uh, is not going to make be the difference of whether or not you build, um, you know, multi-billion dollar company or not. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, it definitely does not. And again, as long as you can afford it, you're probably okay on this. I will, I will call it optimistic notes on this optimistic notes. Let's move on to the very last question of today's episode. So call to action, Jordi, what is your final, uh, wait, no, that's that's phrase wrong. <laughs> what do you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Um, good question. I don't want to make uh, anybody do something that's distracting them from uh, you know the many other important things in their life. But I would say if you're a founder and you're fundraising or or going to be fundraising um, in the near future, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Or you can email me at Jordy at PartyRound.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, reach out. I'm happy to give you a demo. We have, um, you know, 30,000 person plus wait list, but, uh, that we're, that we're trying to work through, but, um, oh you're, uh, listening to the show. Um, and you mentioned that when you reach out, happy to, um, bump you to the front of the line and, um, you know, we can onboard you in, in, you know, less than 30 minutes, uh, if it's, if it makes sense for your, uh, race. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would leave it at. Thank you for having me on. Um, hopefully, you know, we're, was able to add some, uh, insights that'll be valuable to the listeners and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, appreciate the, uh, the time. Absolutely. 30,000 wait list. That is, that is some impressive stuff right there. Awesome. That is great. People make sure to reach out because yeah, there are a bunch of other people who would love to use a great tool for free uh like party rounds uh my call to action as usual is going to be very very simple check out the description of this episode i will of course as usually leave a bunch of links there there's going to be a link to jordy's linkedin there's going to be of course a link to party round there's going to be a link to jordy's email and also there's going to be my shameless plug-in off on the course that our fundraising radio team and i are working on which is about you've guessed it fundraising for early stage startups so if you are looking to raise the call to action is check out the description of this episode there's gonna be a ton of useful information for you there and as usually have a good day